Welcome to Redemption Unscripted. On this podcast, you will hear unscripted conversation to help you know Jesus, grow in your relationship with Him, and go advance His kingdom. Thanks for tuning in, and we hope you enjoy this episode. Welcome back to another episode of Redemption Unscripted. And I'm your host, as always, Austin. And with me on the mics, uh, we have Rick. How you doing, Rick? I know you're coming off COVID still. This is second recording in three days. Absolutely. Yeah, it's a weird thing, timing on podcasts, releasing all that. So people listened to our last episode a month ago from when they're listening to this right now. But we recorded it only two days ago because I was... I had a fever for 14 days, man. So I am not quite right yet. I'm not back to 100% in energy, but I'm glad to be back serving Jesus and on the mic with you and... Jared Williams. How you doing, Pastor Jared? I'm doing good. Um, I'm operating okay, but let's just... If I mess up too, let's just say I had COVID and blame that. No, you didn't. <laughs> we will just blame it on my that. Excuse, man. <laughs> All right, we'll fill in another excuse if Fair something enough. doesn't sound right. Totally. Well, before we dive into the topic, Rick, I know you wanted to give a little encouragement to our listeners about the yeah, podcast. You know, uh, really a request. If uh, if these podcasts are blessing you, and we hope they are, uh, we work hard on these to put together some good content for you guys. Hope it's a blessing. If it is, it would help us so much. If you would go rate it, you would review it, if you would share it on social media, uh, really so that it can bless more and more people within our congregation and maybe even outside our congregation as well. So just a request to help us out in that way. I, I'd really appreciate it. And if it's not a blessing, just zip it. Keep it yeah. Keep it yourself. Or share it anyways. <laughs> <I'm just kidding. laughs> no, that's good stuff. Well, we are going to dive into a pretty big topic, uh, one that is very important to our faith. And you mentioned, Rick, a minute ago, the timing. The timing on this one is unique, so we are dropping this on a Saturday. Typically, we do the second Wednesday of every month. But because we are talking about the resurrection of our Lord Jesus, we wanted to drop this right before Easter. So hopefully, you'll be celebrating Easter either here at Redemption or if you're listening and you go to another church, hopefully you're going to be celebrating that uh, Sunday morning. But we do want to take some time uh, just to talk about the resurrection and the importance of it and some of the different things that are related to it. So uh, guys, let me just throw out kind of the first question. Uh, we're talking about the resurrection. Did it really happen? Do we really have anything to talk about today? Did it happen? It's kind of funny as I was uh, thinking through my day and praying through my day, I, I uh, thought about the fact, because I really, I don't feel 100% right now, and I'm like, but that's okay. We just do a podcast on the resurrection, like the biggest event in history. Uh, but that's the question. Is it the biggest event in history, or is it the biggest biggest hoax in history? Did it really happen? And uh, I have based my faith, my life, uh, my ministry on the fact that, yes, Jesus Christ, who lived 2,000 years ago, was crucified as a criminal. He really was God in the flesh, and he rose from the dead. And that's a huge, huge claim. And if it happened, it's a big deal. And if it didn't happen, that's kind of a big deal, too. And so we've got to kick around first. Like, did it really happen? Yeah, it's funny. I always think about, maybe you ask that question, like in history, if you could be, if you could witness any moment, like this has been my answer. Like if you could be, oh, you know, Gettysburg, take your pick. But I mean, for me to be in the tomb, like to watch the dead body, that first breath of like, oh, yeah. 
I mean, I, I don't know. That, it's just my token answer, and it gives me chills to think about it every time. And part of it, I don't know, it was funny when I saw the topic. We, you can almost breeze over, well, of course it happened. Well, okay, it's worth to give pause. Like, everything, everything hinges on this. And if it didn't, man, we're in trouble. So we better look at it. We better be secure that it did happen. I like that for you. It's between the resurrection and Gettysburg. It's kind of random that it's down to those two, but I get your point, brother, that no, it's not even close. It's the resurrection. It's a huge moment. And so one of the things that comes up for me is there were plenty of eyewitnesses. The scriptures talk about more than 500 at one time and uh, all these people that witnessed it. And one of the things we see in those people is their lives changed extraordinarily. Like initially at the arrest of Jesus, he, the, all his followers scattered. Remember, they're, they're like scared. They're in hiding. They're running. They're beaten. They're just beaten. And they're not these spiritual giants that we imagine them to be today. They're just beaten people. And then not too long after that, they are courageous. They are conquering. They are going for it in the faith and, and proclaiming. And the difference maker for them was they said they saw the risen Jesus. So when I think about proof, when we think, uh, uh, even if you think about a court case, we think, wait, there were 500 eyewitnesses that saw him murder that guy? Dude's guilty. Like, he's going down, right? So you got overwhelming eyewitness testimony uh, from these people who their lives changed extraordinarily. So it wasn't just like lip service, but they said they saw the risen Jesus. Something happened. Yeah, it's funny, even when you think of proof of the resurrection or defense of the gospel, I, as I think of this, like, I don't feel all that defensive, you know, because we talk about proof, and I think a burden of proof. Sure. Like, if we look at what happened, how short Jesus's teaching test, you know, his teaching ministry was, and then the impact, like, the burden of proof falls in something happened, you know, and you got to define it as much as we're always defensive. Oh, I got to prove it. Like, well, yeah, there's some great proofs, and I'm not against that word per se, but the point I'm making is, man, I, I think very comfortably in a strong position of something happened. And yeah, it's hard to wrap your head around somebody coming back from the dead, but you got to fill in the blank of what happened then, because it doesn't make sense apart from the resurrection. Yeah, and historians have talked about that, the birth of the church. The birth of the church which there's no doubt the church was born. I mean, like Christianity, which was nothing, all of a sudden like is one of the three major world religions. You got to at least admit those facts. And how do you get from point A to point B? And if, if you try to get there without the actual resurrection of Jesus, that's where the burden of proof, as you were saying, Pastor Jerry, the burden of proof's on you. Like it's really hard to get there. So for example, you got all these eyewitnesses. Well, maybe they made it up. You go, well, for what? Time out. For what? Like, they, they mostly died martyrs' deaths. Hmm. They didn't get rich. Like, we, we think today of, a, like, a religious scam. Like, televangelists. Like, these people are, you know, they're selling their prayer shawls and, you know, sending money. Like, that's not happening. They didn't get rich. They didn't get famous until after death, and they had no idea that would happen. So it wasn't like earthly fame. It wasn't wealth. It wasn't prestige. They got beaten, imprisoned, and killed. And yet all of them stuck to their story and said, we saw the risen Jesus. None of them folded which is unheard of. Like I, I uh, heard that thing recently that if um, the only way you can keep a lie 
is if two people know a, a secret, that's it, it's a secret. If two people know a secret, the only way you can keep it is to kill one of them. Because if two people know it, it's coming out. What about 500 people? Mm-hmm. And, and they're making it up for some nefarious reason and not one of them breaks. It just doesn't make logical sense. Mm-hmm. And you, you got to look at historically. Because I get that. Oh, well, this was their pride or this was their movement. They got to keep the movement going. Like you said, there was no wealth. We're not talking like, oh, they got made fun of. We're talking crucified upside down. Like you're about to be brutally murdered. And not one of them goes, just kidding, just sorry, just, just playing. Sorry, he actually, sorry. we stole the body. We actually, you know, like it, it's, and again, that's where the burden of proof flips. Like that is a nonsensical interpretation. And so, yeah. And as well, they, they had no motivation as we've been saying that to do this. But it also kind of, we've got to plant in our minds the idea that, the, not plant in our minds, but really acknowledge they didn't have a disposition to believe it. So you got doubting Thomas saying, unless I see the scars in his hands and put my hand in the scar and his, I, I won't believe. Even at the part where it says 500 uh, witnessed him, it's in the same passage, I believe, it says, and some doubted. Hmm. And I know that's always rocked your world, Jared. You, that thing just gets it under your skin a little bit going, wow, are you kidding me? But the reality is to go, hey, there was a disposition within them Look, they weren't idiots. We're not idiots. And if I told you, hey, yeah, yesterday I died, but I rose this morning, you wouldn't believe me. They were of the same nature that they would not necessarily believe this. Jews believed in a resurrection, but it was going to be a resurrection at the end of time. They did not believe that people just rose from the dead along the way. That didn't happen. And so they quite naturally doubted that. Even having some of his followers seeing the risen Jesus, they doubted. And so that was their disposition, and yet here are 500 followers saying, yeah, we saw them. Yeah, and, and that's where the numbers play such a huge role to, again, you got to explain something. The world blew up and turned and hinged at that moment what happened. Now, you get into 500, obviously, you know, all the apostles. Well, if it's just one, I could explain one. Yeah. This dude was crazy, he was out of his mind, and that's one of the common ones. You just hallucinated that. I'm up on a mountain, and I, 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 saw, I saw Jesus, and he was, you know, hundreds of... That is not the situation. We're talking like had meals with, had, you know, mm-hmm. time with. And even that, this isn't a spiritual resurrection. That's the feel the wounds, eat a meal with me. And if you understand, oh, hallucination you got to unpack what is that. A hallucination is internal. A hallucination is something that is in my mind, not external. Well, multiple people hallucinating hallucinating is nonsensical. Because if it's internal, then you can't see what I'm seeing. So there's no way we can see the same thing. If 500 people are seeing the same things, it's external to me by definition. It's not a hallucination. It's something we're all seeing. And it wasn't from afar. This is had dinner with and talked with. Well, of course, then one of the counters is, well, they were, they were sincere, um, but it, Jesus didn't rise from the dead. He just never died. And that gets into the swoon theory that he, he's on the cross and from loss of blood or whatever, he passes out. And uh, so they um, put him in the tomb. Uh, and while he's in the tomb, he kind of revives. He comes back to life in a sense, but he never passed away medically. Um, and then he comes out, and all the apostles and disciples are like, oh, wow, he rose, mm-hmm. right? 
So what would you say to that? Yeah, I mean, and again, it kind of, if you're looking for reasons not to believe it, you'll find them, right? Mm-hmm. And so that's one. You could see, okay, well, maybe that happened. It falls apart on so many different levels. One of the, I mean, I think the most convincing, I mean, there's tons of, yeah, sure, we've all been crucified, right? And then kind of pass out and come to. Who hasn't been there? Like, <laughs> other than the fact it just doesn't hold up, they're wrapped in the way they're wrapped, like crazy heavy. And we know the stone rolled away, you know, put in a freezer, and then that's what revives you. It's not like they had paddles shocking him. I mean, it, so the mountain of evidence against that one is silly, but the w- most convincing one to me, you know, you think of like, you know, we execute people today, right? What would we do? We'd have a doctor go and, you know, check their heartbeat. Well, they didn't have that. Well, they actually kind of did. I mean, they were professional executors doing this. Like that's what, so when it talks about them jabbing in the side and the water and blood gushing out, like that is how they know, like that's what happens to your body when you're dying. Like these were professional people that killed people. And that is, I mean, medically proof that he was dead, not just knocked out. Well, and they were, I mean, the Romans, the Roman army, they were serious business. You do not mess with them. And uh, for those soldiers to let a condemned, somebody condemned to crucifixion, that's like the worst of the worst. For them to let somebody down off the cross who has been condemned to the cross, who has not died, their life is in jeopardy. Uh, they are at risk of taking his place on the cross. And so they got really, really good at making sure that I'm not about to take his place. Yeah, we're going to die. Why don't we double check? Go ahead and break his legs. You know? Seems important uh, to check at this point. And hence the spear up through the ribs to yeah. uh, pierce the heart sack area. And uh, they made sure he was dead. Yeah, and the serious business of the Roman army that really attacks one of the other theories of we kind of got at the lying, but just that, well, they actively stole the body. Okay, we got to keep this movement going. And man, he said he was going to rise from the dead. The way we can do this is get the body. But you also got to remember that the tomb was guarded. Yep. This is guarded by men. Again, they don't get a slap on the wrist. They get killed if they're, they let this body release. So the tomb is guarded by the most brutal, vicious army that this world has ever, that this world has ever seen up to that point. Mm-hmm. And a couple of fishermen take down the Roman army to get this body back. It's nonsensical. It well, even, and even before that, with the swoon theory, the idea is that Jesus resuscitates in the grave, rolls the stone away, which you talked about already. He wouldn't have been able to get out of the uh, gummy spices over the wrappings. He wouldn't have been able to roll the stone away. But now, if they're not stealing the bottle, he's just coming back to life. He overcomes the guard. <laughs> Uh, and by the guard, that, that is guard plural. There would have been a collection of soldiers there, not just one. Uh, and Jesus overcomes them. Then he gets back to the disciples, crawls, like a bloody trail behind him, right? Crawls back to the disciples and is able to convince them that he is the risen Lord. Come back from the dead. I don't think so. I don't think so. <laughs> and it's just so funny. I love when people, when they get in these apologetic arguments, they'll use the Bible sometimes you know, when it's mm-hmm. convenient. But then you have to ignore all the other facts that it presents. So it's like, use it as a source or not. Because I've seen this, you know, pick your history channel, whatever. They'll unpack certain things that make those theories make sense. 
but then they leave out significant other ones, you know. And even Jesus passing, you know, in the resurrection of the way he shows up and passing through walls, well, they don't explain, so they just ignore those mm-hmm. parts, you know, of mm-hmm. Jesus coming and his power and, yeah. So and, like, and Jared, I didn't mean, mean to get us away too much. I, there were some things I wanted to tie off with the swoon theory over there, but oh, you're sure. right. I, I mean, then what if, the other thing is, well, what if he actually died? And so they're just making up this claim. Again, we've talked about changed lives. We've talked about how they had no motivation, that nobody broke the story, even under threat of death and actual death, like nobody broke. Uh, But you're right. Uh, At that point, both the Jewish leadership and the Roman leadership would then have motivation to say, shut up, come here, roll the stone away. There's the body. We're done now, right? And they never produced the body because there was no body to produce. The mountain of evidence to, uh, I, I, perhaps the reason I believe in the resurrection is I don't have enough faith to not believe in the resurrection. Like, I, it, it would take too much belief for me to not believe in it. And, and so we talk about life change. I mean, then there's the Apostle Paul. How do you explain the change in the one who was clearly history's persecutor of the first church, the early church, and then he flips on a dime and says, I've seen the risen Lord. And becomes the missionary uh, to get Christianity going around the Roman Empire. I, I mean, how do you explain that? That's what I always love. I feel like people have been so encouraged throughout by so many of the books of when people have set out to disprove the resurrection, mm-hmm. you know, like, and that's where like a Lee Strobel's book, you know, I'm just going to study it and investigate it to prove it wrong. And, you know, there's a couple others, same thing as a detective, like, what if I just studied this like a crime scene? And it's even on Right Now Media, which we push, you know, God's crime scene and all those things, you, they set out to disprove it. Again, we all know the power when you want to believe something you're going to, but yet if you take an objective look, how many people looked at it and said, man, it holds up. Yeah. yeah, I think that's Lou Wallace's story as well, if I remember correctly. Literary genius. Uh, there was a band of people who, in both Europe and America that wanted to disprove Christianity. And so he spent his time in the libraries across Europe and America basically looking to make the case to discredit Christianity. And he ended up coming to faith in Christ as a result of his search. And then he went on to write Ben-Hur. The Ben-Hur, this famous novel, uh, and, and you see the Christian element in there. That's well, part of his testi- testimony uh, is in Ben-Hur. Yeah. It's kind of cool stuff. So it's solid, brother. It's yeah. true. And we'll definitely, you guys rattle off there at the end some resources. We'll put those in the show notes for people um, to dig in a little more because this is some good, good stuff. Uh, so we'll kind of transition a little bit out of, you know, we talked about the apologetic side of this, but... Um, we, you know, we say it's important, it's a real event that happened, but, but why does it matter so much? Why do we hold on to this as such an important part of our faith? Yeah. There's a couple things that come to mind for me. The very first one is that the resurrection is the receipt. So the receipt is the proof of purchase, right? When you go to a store, you buy something, they give you a little slip of paper that is the receipt, and all that says is, hey, here is proof that this person actually made this purchase. That's what the receipt is. It's a proof of purchase. And the resurrection is the proof of purchase. So our, the purchase of our salvation is at the cross. That's where penal substitution takes place. That's propitiation at the cross. That's where it is. It's done. But if Jesus stays in the grave, maybe he's not who he claimed to be. Maybe he's just another 
dead criminal. There's plenty of dead criminals in the grave. Like, they didn't purchase our salvation. Well, Jesus made these wonderful claims, but maybe he was just uh, all bluster and no God, right? And so when he rises from the grave, in that moment when he takes that first breath, there is the proof of purchase. There is the receipt that what he claimed to purchase at the cross is actually true. And so the cross is the payment. And we, we base our salvation on the cross, but the resurrection is the receipt. It's the proof of payment. I mean, it, there's no way that you can't overstate it. Every, it, it matters everything. All of it hangs in the balance on the resurrection. And I, I have a real pet peeve. It bothers me when people say that often, like, well, even if it's not true, even if he didn't rise from the dead, it's still good and we should <laughs> pursue love. Like, that is, that is not biblical faith. That's not, what, not the way the Apostle Paul said it. I mean, he says, if this didn't really happen, we're most of all to be pitied. Like, you shouldn't live this way. You talk about martyrs. Take your pick. Martyrs, missionaries. None of it makes sense if he really didn't rise from the dead. It's, it, does, it all hinges on that. So it, it matters to everything, to our salvation. And that's what Paul says. Well, you're still dead in your sins. Like the whole deal is the gospel and forgiveness. Well, if he didn't defeat death, well, then there's no hope in death. And there's, I mean, it, you can't overstate it. It matters everything. And, and brother, I think that's a great point. I want to underscore for our listeners that they catch that, that the Bible itself says... If the resurrection didn't happen, throw it all out. It's garbage. It's garbage. And if it did happen, then it's everything. And again, it's the receipt. It's the proof of purchase. Like you reminded me in the Old Testament that there was a sacrificial system, a temporary system, right, where uh, they would sacrifice animals for sin. Sometimes a goat would be sacrificed. What's interesting is there was never the expectation in the Old Testament system that the animal who has been sacrificed would then rise from the dead. No, it was a throwaway animal. And it's very different when you come into the New Covenant, into the New Testament, uh, that what we have here is not just some human being, that this is not just some goat. This is the goat, the greatest of all time goat. This is Jesus himself, our Lord. And there is no way, if Jesus is God in the flesh, there's no way you keep God down. It just doesn't happen. And so again, it becomes proof for not only who he is, but then what he did on the cross. It's essential, essential proof. I mean, it is, it's funny. I'm glad you went to the other side of it because you know, I think of the biblical passage where it says, hey, throw it out if it didn't happen. But if it did happen, mm-hmm. then you can't ignore him. You can't let that go. I mean, it's the ultimate mic drop. Like, I don't really believe he said, he rose from the dead. Let's go with that guy, yep. you know? So it's it's the validation, the receipt of every claim he made. I mean, if he rose from the it's simp- it's just a logical flow for me. If he rose from the dead, he's God. If he's God, then he's Lord and we follow him. If he doesn't, if he isn't, well, take your pick. You're, you're a favorite teacher. And there's a lot of people that disagree with things Jesus said and taught. And, and I want to say, hey... Um, when you rise from the dead, mm-hmm. uh, I will listen to you. But until then, I'm going with Jesus. Yeah. He rose from the dead. Mm-hmm. So he, the, the receipt is, is an important aspect to me, Austin. And then you're saying, hey, why does it matter? Uh, a second thing that came to mind for me is that uh, he is our representative. And this is important throughout the scriptures that it talks about Jesus being the second Adam. So the first Adam was named Adam, and it was in him, our first father. All of us sinned, all of us died, uh, and it did not go well with the first Adam. 
And we are either in the first Adam or we are in the second Adam. Uh, the scriptures in the New Testament refers to Christ as the second Adam, and we are in him as our representative. Now, uh, the importance there is that he rose from the dead. And so if we are in Christ, the second Adam, then his resurrection applies to us and becomes our resurrection. So to your question of why does it matter? Because if Christ didn't rise, we don't rise, period. His resurrection becomes our resurrection. He is our representative. Mm-hmm. And it's funny, we, we tout as well, have a personal relationship with God. It's hard to have a relationship with somebody who's dead. And okay, if God's not, if he's not alive, how do I have this personal relationship with him if he's non-existent? And so, again, that's where it's just all, you, you pull this card out, the whole whole, you know, house of cards comes tumbling down, you know. We can't have a relationship with a dead God, you know, if he's either alive and still, you know, actively involved in our life or he's not. Well, and uh, you stumbled into what is my third reason as far as why it matters, and I'm speaking your love language, brother, because I know you like alliteration. So I hope people are catching that it is receipt, (laughs) representative, and relationship. That's the third thing. And I've said before that if, uh, for religion, all you need is a dead Jesus. For all we need is a dead Jesus on the cross, we can have a religion. But if you want to have a relationship with Jesus, you need a living Jesus. And so he has to rise from the dead. And so uh, we are not about religion. We are about a relationship with a living God. But for a relationship with a living God, you know what you need? You need a living God. <laughs> and so he's got to rise from the dead. And so, so far, kind of through this podcast, when we've, we've talked about, you know, did it happen, and uh, why is this so important to our faith, but, but someone might be asking, okay, what, it, what does it mean for my life right now? Like, how should it impact my life, you know, whether they're on their way to work listening to this, or they're hanging out with their family today, like, what about the resurrection should impact their lives right now as followers of Jesus? Nice. You should make Easter baskets to celebrate and give your kids chocolate. You have 24 hours, so get to it. <laughs> Easter baskets, that's what you have? All right, Austin, write it down. Jared's off the mic next time. I'll tell you what, that's a proof for God. Those, like, Reese eggs, Amen, oh, my gosh, brother. those Amen. are divine. Like, there is not a God without those Reese eggs. And you should Seriously. go get them right now because they're going to be out of the Wherever store Wherever you are, soon. pull over the car. Go get you were talking 1 Corinthians 15 before. Now you're going with those eggs. Stop it. But part of it, you know, I joke, but that's what we do, right? The greatest event in all history. Let's get chocolate. Like, mm-hmm. and I'm not anti, like, I, I really will eat a lot of those Reese eggs. So I'm not opposed to Easter baskets. But man, you know, I mean, someone just turned the corner with you. Like, wait, does that match how I celebrate Easter, the reality of the resurrection, and we make it totally secular? Right. Mm-hmm. So some of the impact in our lives, Austin, is I think it's just, it's a point at which I come to and say, it is true. So there's this wide realm of Christian apologetics, defenses for our faith, rational reasons we believe what we believe is true, that it is actually true. And the apologetics regarding the resurrection, it's like the centerpiece. And so to realize that there is no other way to explain it, that Jesus really rose from the dead, that this is really true. And so therefore, it is worthy of my Sunday mornings. But it's actually worthy of every moment of every day of my life. It's worth my whole life. This 
is true. And so when I'm wrestling through, hey, my culture says one thing about sexuality and my God says another thing, and do I want to look like an idiot in front of my culture? You know what? Jesus rose from the dead. This stuff is true, and it's worth my entire life. And so I bank my life on what I believe, but I believe this stuff because Jesus rose from the dead. It's true. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we talk about, man, we, we're going to come and look at God's Word and want to have eternal perspective, but, I mean, the, the necessary linchpin of the resurrection to get there, you know, I mean, and I don't know how many people have come to Christ because of fear of death. I mean, the, the last enemy that we'll face I mean, Jesus took out the sting of death, right? And so, man, to get to that point, we really, we push people to think for eternity. But again, that's where the Bible goes. But if there isn't a resurrection, if we don't rise from the dead, there is no eternal perspective. Then it is, eat, drink, and be merry. Live for today, but to have no fear in death, to find that peace that no matter what happens today, we can have an eternal perspective to live forever because of the resurrection. Right. And so what you're doing is taking the fact that it is true into the specific area of eternal perspective. But that, by that, I know you don't mean just, hey, that'll be true later, but then I'm going to start making choices today in my life today based on eternal realities. And I know those eternal realities are there because Jesus rose from the dead. So not only do I know my faith is true, but now I'm going to live in light of in eternity because I now know there's something beyond death. I now know that death is not final because Jesus rose from the grave. Therefore, eternity is in play. And and eternity is real and it's important and I want to live for it. Even though I live in this broken, fallen, earthbound world now, I want to live in light of eternity because Jesus rose from the dead. And how much of it? I mean, the world's going to live in fear. And that's just, if, if I lived in a world where there isn't a resurrection, I don't believe that. But man, it, whether it be the apostles or people that I know and dearly love, just to face death and have no fear because of the reality of this truth, you know, would that be true of all of us, not this Easter, but for the rest of our lives? Yeah. You know, and the, the last impact that came to mind for me, Austin, is the idea that if you, if you think about the person in your life you love the most, like fix that person in your mind right now. And think about what you would go through, what you would overcome in order to get to that person. You know, and, and there's all kinds of wonderful romantic stories and in, whatever, adventure stories of what people would do to overcome to get to their loved one, right? To keep in mind that Jesus overcame death for you. That, that he said, I will not, like no one else in history will ever be able to, I can't say that to my wife. Honey, if I die, I'll rise from the grave to come back for you because I love you so much. It's just not true. Jesus said, listen, I'm going to die. I'm going to come back. I'm coming back for you. I love you. It's the greatest love story ever. He conquered the grave, rose, and came back for us. And so it flows right back to relationship that my Lord loves me that much. He came for me, and I don't have a dead Jesus. I have a living Jesus. I interact with him today. And so part of the impact is Jesus rose, therefore it's relationship, not religion. And I want to live out Christianity in light of that. That's been an incredible discussion, guys. Is there anything you guys want to, anything on the table you want to kind of wrap up with? Any thoughts? I don't know why Jesus uh, rose for me. I'm so glad he did. I don't know why Jared is so into Easter baskets and chocolate bunnies, but 
Uh, you can email him about that. Make sure you put his email address in the show notes, if you will. Um, but and you can send all of us Easter eggs. If yeah, you yeah. that's fine. He clears up chocolate bunny. It's those, <laughs> those eggs. Fair I don't enough. know. Fair it's enough. the perfect proportion yeah. to peanut butter and chocolate. Totally. It's unbelievable. Totally. Well, this has been great, guys. Uh, if you're listening to this on the day it's dropped, we'd love to have you. If you're looking for someone to worship and celebrate the resurrection, you can join us tomorrow morning. We'll put the details of that in the show notes. Uh, if you're listening to it after, you can still worship with us on a Sunday. You don't have to wait till next Easter. But wherever you're at, we hope you uh, worship Jesus, the resurrected Jesus, tomorrow uh, on Easter. But thanks for listening, and we look forward to having you back with us next month on another episode of Redemption Unscripted. Thanks for listening, and if you enjoyed this episode, please share it with others. To catch the latest episode, be sure to subscribe and follow us. For more resources like this, visit our website at www.redemptionchapel.com grow. We hope you join us next time on Redemption Unscripted.